Hello and welcome to We Are Groot. I am Groot. He is Groot. She is Groot. We are Groot. Uh, just kidding. This is Bomb Squad Movie Night. Yeah, that's my fucking opening bit for uh, this episode. Woo! I'm Joseph Henry Vredick, and today I have with me. We're just a bunch of assholes, actually. Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Craft. Hi, I'm still campaigning for Dancing in the Moonlight to be in this movie, even though it's already <laughs> come out. I didn't think I didn't think to write a joke. I'm Ryan Conversi. I'm Howard the Duck. Today we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the latest opus from one James Gunn, St. Louis boy. We're talking about him again, and originally I did have the question of what we thought of James Gunn as a director, but you know what? Because this is the third volume in this franchise, we're just gonna save that for another time, and we are actually gonna talk about our history with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. There have been two movies, plus a holiday special to have come out prior to this film, so I want to know your guys' histories. We'll start with Mr. Marvel up top, Mr. Tanner Richard Kraft. Alright, so, uh, my history of Guardians of the Galaxy is uh, I've always been a big MCU fan, especially after uh, the Avengers came out, and 2014, the year the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out, was the year I started going to the movies a lot. Before this, the most I had been in a movie theater in a single year was like three. In 2012, I saw Avengers, I saw The Amazing Spider-Man, and then I saw The Dark Knight Rises, and that was the most I actually visited a theater in a single calendar year. You made a serious mistake. I'm not as serious as yours, actually. And in 2014, I went to the theater like a few dozen times. And I remember hearing about Guardians of the Galaxy because I was watching the pretty much it news. But this is still, to this day, the only time Marvel announced something and I actually legitimately, genuinely went, what the fuck is that? I had heard of Shang-Chi. I had never heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I heard that and I went, oh, so they're making like OC MCU characters now? Anyway, back to the OC. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Hey, but no, it was uh, legitimate real Marvel characters, such as Rocket Raccoon, a character who appeared in 10 issues prior to the 21st century. The most relevant of the characters was probably Star-Lord, and Drax I definitely had heard of because of his connection to Thanos, so maybe Drax over Star-Lord. But beyond that, when I heard Guardians of the Galaxy, I went, what the fuck is that? <laughs> But I do remember being excited for it, and I do remember it being the one film I saw of a bunch of friends who didn't normally seek out MCU movies. They normally weren't the superhero movie types, but they were all intrigued by this one, which was generally the reception of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies then and now, is that, yeah, they're MCU movies, but they're more sci-fi space operas. They have more in common with Star Wars than they do Iron Man. The main thing I remember is when we all walked out, we said we were going to pick our own guardians to be in the movie, like in our little group, and it failed because every single one of us said we wanted to be Rocket Raccoon. 
Back to you, Joe. <laughs> Excellent. Tim, I'm very curious about your opinions on it. Yeah, so, yeah, the Guardians movies have all been pretty consistently solid. I think they have probably the best track record of any of the Marvel series. Even their appearances in other movies like The Avengers and uh, all of that, like, they're always fun to see. I'm going to ask you this one time. Where is Gamora? I'll do you one better. Who's Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? Kind of like what Tanner was saying. I hadn't heard of these characters prior to these movies, but I was interested just seeing them in the trailer. I watched the first two movies when they came out in the theaters. I had a good time with them. James Gunn, of course, is a very talented director, and uh, he was putting his chops into those movies, and you could tell that he really cared about what he was making. And then we have the Guardians Holiday Special, which I watched, oh an hour ago. I kind of <laughs> forgot that it existed until I was at the Alamo Theater and they were playing the pre-roll and they were like, oh, by the way, Mantis is Star-Lord's sister. And I was like, mm. okay, cool, I guess. But yeah, I guess uh, to sum up, the Guardians movies have been pretty solid, and uh, while I'm not as hot on Marvel stuff anymore, I was definitely excited to see the conclusion of the trilogy. Back to you, Joe. Excellent. Mr. Conversi, why don't we go with you next? Yeah, I was trying to think of a way to talk about, I guess, how I feel about these movies without just like having like a mini review of each one. When the first one was coming out, when I was in high school, I was, um, I was a big fan of um, Super and, and of Slither and... I was like, oh, he's from St. Louis. That's cool. But I didn't even end up seeing it until probably like the end of the year just because I, I didn't have friends to see it with. But it was great when I did finally get around to it, the first one. Like y'all are saying, it's just a great little, kind of its own mini franchise within the MCU. By far, just uh, in my opinion, far and above the best MCU things. At least one, and especially two. Uh, two is probably still my overall favorite MCU movie. Probably top 10 comic movies. Top 15, 20 maybe for like just blockbusters in general. That, that boy, that gun, James, he's uh, probably my favorite blockbuster director right now, at least uh, my personal favorite. I'm not too on the holiday special, though. Uh, hot take. I guess that's, like, the one hot take I will have. What? I guess the big thing I got out of it was that I, I like James Gunn's taste in 70s music way more than I like his taste in 2000s music. Guardian's great. Always great all the time, except when it's just pretty good. Back to you, Joe. Rain just has bad taste of music in general. I was going to say, hearing that opinion on the holiday special hurts, because we, we stand the holiday special in this house. Do we? I do. <laughs> I do. Since you're talking, Mr. Zweebleman, why don't we go with you, because you're the last one to go before me. Uh, it's always worth reminding younger people that Guardians was the first, like, MCU venture into the sort of cosmic realms present in the comics. I remember going into that theater in 2014 feeling like I was about to watch a magician catch a fucking bullet with his teeth. Like, there were a lot of things that convinced me along the way that this new expansion was actually going to work. The cinematography and the dialogue felt really fresh. Rocket calling Stanley a Class A prevert. Drax saying shit like, don't ever call 
me a thesaurus. And when Quill started dancing at the end, uh, my theater actually went totally nuts. I was seeing it with my friends from film school where we've been getting like regularly beaten with stuff like, uh, you know, deep cut cinephile stuff like Wings of Desire, Man Bites Dog. Then this goofy Disney movie actually broke through that shell and gave us a great time. I personally control half the DNA by doing something I call doinking. <laughs> <laughs> Then for Guardians 2, I don't have so much to say because by then I knew that you were going to like expect something special. But man, two of the songs in Awesome Mix Volume 2 were like tremendous wish fulfillment for me. Father and Son by Cat Stevens was one of my favorite songs to like cry to back in high school when I felt like brooding. And then uh, Lakeshore Drive by Aliota Haynes and Jeremiah was so surreal to see in a blockbuster. My dad played that song a lot in the car growing up and I wasn't convinced anybody else besides us knew it existed. I love both of the Guardians movies a lot, and over time I developed this impression that only a person from St. Louis would have made them like that. It's hard to describe exactly what the culture is here, unless you're talking about our negative traits, uh, but I think James Gunn kind of carried Missouri with him in a lot of cultural ways. But more on that later. Back to you, Joe. All right, my turn. Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy. This was one of those uh, comic book properties where I knew very little about it. And when that trailer dropped in the last half of senior year of high school, I had lots of people coming up and asking me questions like, who's this Groot guy? What's the deal with this raccoon person? And I was just like, uh, he's a raccoon and he likes guns and he swears a lot. And the tree just says, I am Groot because that's his language. I don't know mm -hmm. any of these other fuckers, though. And I read comics regularly. I grew up reading comics, damn it. Th this was yeah. all still somewhat new to me, but I at least knew two out of, like, the rest of them. Well, even where I reside, out past the edge of what's known, we've heard tell about the man they call Star Wars. <laughs> but I, I remember that trailer coming out and it, and it looked like a risk, but it looked like a very special kind of risk. And like one I was very much willing to uh, take because, well, I wasn't too familiar with James Gunn by this point. That wouldn't come until after I saw Guardians. But Ooh. I took that risk. I really enjoyed it. Um, and a lot of people seem to really be into it as well, which was really interesting for an obscure comic put to the big screen. Guardians 2 has However, it was like the really big shift for me because not only is Guardians 2 my favorite MCU movie, if we're not counting Spider-Man 2 now that No Way Home exists, but it's just one of my favorite movies, period. It's my favorite soundtrack of all time with Awesome Mix Volume 2. Like Awesome Mix Volume 1 is great, but nothing can fucking top Volume 2 for me. That movie makes me cry like a little bitch at the end every time. Not not even just at the end. It cr makes me cry multiple times throughout it, especially with someone with like severe daddy issues. It was really nice to see a superhero movie just like have me kind of confront that. And then, of course, I was excited for volume three. James Gunn, of course, wound up becoming my favorite filmmaker as I discovered more of his work. I liked the holiday special. We stand it in this house. And if you poo poo it in my house, you will be homeless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You'll be homeless. I take, it house. I take it up. But anyway, Guardians 3, we, we finally reached that point, the dreaded point that made us all cry. I, I say dreaded in like the most positive way possible, but I also don't know a couple of your guys' opinions, so we'll just start getting some of these out of the way. We'll start with Mr. Rain Conversi. Uh, what are your thoughts on Guardians 3? 
I hate how cute talking animal movies, they always fucking suck, because cute animals are great, movies are great. Why is it when they're together, they're usually awful? But this is just another one of the few examples I can think of of a movie that has both and is good. Yeah, Guardians 3. It's uh, an amazing movie, blows pretty much almost all the other MCU movies out of the water. Currently leaning towards liking Guardians 2 more, um, a fair bit more, but really only just for like structural issues. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just going to open on complaints. <laughs> Rain opening on what he didn't like? Say it ain't so. There's a very strong correlation. If I like a movie, I'm going to nitpick and complain about it. For me, um, the only thing that's keeping it from being just like a gold standard of superhero movies, of blockbusters, is um, I think everything with Rocket is um, immaculate. No complaints whatsoever. Best villain, maybe my favorite example of just an evil, love-to-hate kind of villain. Not like in a like mustache twirly, like, oh, they're fun to have a t-shirt of. Like, you know, just like, wow, I hate this person. I can't wait for them to die. This actor, he's amazing. I uh, hope to see him in plenty of other things besides uh, just this in Peacemaker. But yes, back to the structure. Um, I think everything with Rocket was great, but I thought the other character arcs where on paper, I think the way they're handled is fine, but they, I don't know, it just feels like, for example, the big scene where everyone's like late leaving or like romance is like, oh, I gotta do this. And it's like, it was too much. I, well, I guess straightforwardly, it was just too much yelling and I don't know, just not ideal structurally for me. And really, that's the only thing I think keeping this from competing with Guardian Suit for me. Okay, that's all, all fair points. Uh, Tim, what about you? What are your thoughts? So, um, as Mr. Uh, Marvel Cynic or whatever, I, I'll say that, like, I think the last time I was, like, really kind of still cared about the MCU was watching Infinity War, which was, like, probably one of my favorite of the MCU movies. And since then, there have been four movies that I really even liked. Um, Eternals, No Way Home, Multiverse of Madness, and uh, Wakanda Forever. And uh, the latter three, honestly, they're good, but they do kind of have that issue of uh, relies a little bit too much on extraneous shit. Wakanda Forever less so, but like any time Martin Freeman and Julia Louis-Dreyfus were on screen, I had no idea what the fuck was going on, just mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. And <laughs> going into this movie, I've seen the first two Guardians movies, I enjoy the characters a lot, and I go in and I see it, and uh, delicious, finally, some good fucking food. I think it's a really good finale. Uh, I kind of agree with Rain's points in that it does have a little bit of structural issues, maybe a little longer than it needed to be, but I think it feels like a very concise like conclusion to this story. Um, everything with Rocket, again, is incredible. Just such a emotional, tear-jerking backstory. I've always loved Rocket. I think he's just such a great character. Like, I love that he's this guy who has the chip on his shoulder and he puts on the tough front, but he's always the one who cries first. And uh, he cries a lot in this movie. So that's... that's. I, I don't want to say fun. It's not so fun, <laughs> but... This is a good good finale to James Gunn's trilogy. Excellent, excellent. All right, Austin, you're up. Fasten your seatbelts. I'm about to get dark just like the movie does. Ooh. Oh, God. On March 18th, 2018, James Gunn tweeted that, to him, Guardians of the Galaxy is more than anything else about adults who were abused as children starting to heal by building relationships with other adults who were abused as children. Then, pair this with a different thing that James Gunn has been saying for like nine years now that the guardian that he sees himself in the most is Rocket Raccoon. He is Rocket, Rocket is him. And the standout scenes in this film, we finally learn what that means, right? Now, we all know that James Gunn isn't a raccoon that got tortured by a mad scientist, right? But there's something being communicated here. The intensity of a person's sadness 
You see, most people never talk about this, but James Gunn's personality didn't appear out of thin air. In his childhood, he was exposed to a range of really bad situations. His dad was an alcoholic, maybe not so much these days, no disrespect to how it all turned out, but at the time, James Gunn was the oldest of six siblings and had to take on a tremendous amount of responsibility to help them survive. At his school, there were like weird, sadistic Stephen King bullies who were so fucked up that he won't even go into like detail about them in interviews. And worst of all, there was Monsignor Russell J. Obman, the head of his grade school and parish church, who was molesting fifth graders. And when James Gunn tried to tell his parents about it, they ignored him every time. And those kinds of things leave behind a sadness that you have to carry around with you for the rest of your life. It shapes the ways that you form relationships and the ways that you respond to, like, injustice. Some people think that the animal cruelty in this movie was unnecessary, but I think that it was a clever way to match the intensity of what Gunn experienced in a venue where you definitely can't broach subjects like politically protected pedophile priests. And we've all gotten to see this director's journey from, like, hiding behind comedy and shock value to finally realizing he can use this edge that was created by his childhood to express something resonant with all those people who felt disposable because some powerful asshole chose to pick on the weak. And in the end, it's not all just sadness, is it? There's this emphasis on sticking by your misfit friends and doing whatever you can to lift them with you up the ladder, seeking refuge in music to communicate subtle emotions that are too complicated for any scene all by itself, using the emotional intelligence that you've garnered for better character arcs, like Peter learning to accept people for the way they are instead of what he wants them to be. Like, I could speak about the film's technical merits or its place in the fading cinematic universe, but to me, this trilogy feels like the culmination of a man's whole existence. He didn't just show us a good time just now. He showed us his soul. And uh, in spite of all that went wrong, it ended with joy and music. And I respect that. Really good fucking art. Back to you, Joe. Fuck, you almost made me cry. Yeah, it's, it stand, I, I, I'd stand, but I, I gotta keep sitting because uh, I gotta hear Tanner's thoughts and opinions. Fuck you for making me have to follow that. Okay. <laughs> um, unlike a lot of other people, I've generally been on board with a lot of the recent MCU affair. The Eternals is my favorite MCU movie. Shang-Chi, Wakanda Forever, Doctor Strange, uh, and Spider-Man No Way Home all... Pretty much immediately got put in my top 10 after I saw them, and then I later shuffled them around a little bit, but I generally loved all of those movies. Spider-Man No Way Home being my third favorite MCU movie, until a couple weeks ago when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I uh, briefly considered putting it over the first Avengers, talked myself out of that one. I think this is the ultimate culmination of Gunn as a filmmaker. I've generally thought that each feature film he's made was better than the last. Uh, I love Guardians 2, don't get me wrong. I also still have quite a few problems of Guardians 2, mostly because Gunn's biggest weakness until his last, like, two things, the Holiday Special and the Suicide Squad, uh, Gunn's biggest weakness for me has been his complete inability to know when to end a joke. Uh, my big problem with Guardians 2 is, even though Guardians 2 is an hysterical movie, a lot of jokes go on too long. Taser-faced, and the whole, baby Groot wanna press the dead button, that scene goes on for two goddamn minutes. But, in this one, Gunn doubles down on all of his best comedic instincts while finally knowing 
knowing how to end a joke. None of the jokes here outstay their welcome. And in turn, we get a lot more of the other stuff that Gunn is, honestly, I think even better at than comedy. These emotional found family things and, and these bombastic blockbuster, awe-inspiring moments. And the film's chock full of them. I want to give special shout-out to what might be my single favorite action scene in any MCU movie, which is the Beastie Boys No Sleep Till Brooklyn hallway fight scene. In a franchise known for their hallway fights, this may be the very best one. Obviously, the standout of the movie, and I'm just echoing what everyone else is saying here, is uh, all the stuff with Rocket. The animal cruelty aspect of it was quite shocking when I saw it. I don't think it merits something more than a PG-13 rating. I just think this is the natural byproduct of the fact the last 20 years of American Hollywood blockbusters have just fucking diluted the shit out of PG-13 to the point of where, where an actual PG-13 movie comes out. Parents don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. It's yeah. dark. I wouldn't bring a kid under 10 to it, but it, it is... Like, not an R-rated movie, guys. Come on. Over two years ago, I've had to hold this to my chest, which was I read a spoiler that said Rocket dies in this movie. I read about that in November of 2021. I read that before the fucking No Way Home came out. And for the past two years, I've been mad thinking that was going to happen. So when he started dying, and when he went to heaven, and he saw all Dang. of his friends that he wasn't able to save, I was sobbing, thinking, holy shit, I knew he was going to die, and I'm still crying like a little bitch and then the movie shocked me when lila grabbed his arm and was like but it's not your time yet and the bastard came back to life i was shocked a crying mess and i'd be a crying mess several more times another particularly heartbreaking moment for me was uh, gamora and peter's last little exchange where gamora says i bet we were fun and peter says like you wouldn't believe Peter's arc in this movie works almost as well as Rocket's does, if not a little more for me. His, like, ability to really mature and finally accept that some people aren't going to be what you want them to be, which is something he's had to face his whole life. He may have been your father, boy, but he wasn't your daddy. I like Drax become going from Drax the Destroyer to Drax the Dad. Dads! Rock! Baby! Damn, I haven't been able to do that in a while. I have not been able to do that in a while. Drax um, is your autistic dad. Adam Warlock fucking rules. I think it's shocking they went with the depiction of him in the comics that everyone hates. <laughs> Nobody likes stupid Adam in the comics, but that's the one they went with here. Overall, perfect film, five out of seven. All right. Um, I'm going to make my thoughts quick so we can get to the ad break and do general discussion. Of course, I loved it. I gave it five stars. Of course, I fucking did. It, it's my favorite film of the year. I'm sorry, Evil Dead Rise. You had a good run. Does that mean that this five star movie that I rated five out of five? Um, does it mean it's flawless? No, but that's OK. I, I do have issues with it, and that's perfectly fine. It is my least favorite awesome mix by far, not because I don't like the songs. I just don't think they're as well integrated into the story as well as they could have been. Yeah. Like, yeah, volume two, like really utilizes its soundtrack better than any of the other Guardians movies. But that's my opinion. I saw Tanner shaking his head earlier. I do think it runs a little bit too long. It does have like a bit of a, a pacing problem, but it, it's his last outing. You, you got to give Gunn as much time as possible. And I understand why everything else about it. I fucking loved my God. It's heartbreaking. Made me cry a bunch of times. Star Lord's journey. And the, the same thing that uh, made Tanner cry also made me fucking cry. If, if Rocket is the character James Gunn relates to the most uh, in these movies, I will say Star Lord's the character I relate to the most 
most in these movies. So it's just seeing his whole arc just kind of wrap up was really emotional for me. This whole fucking thing's been emotional for me. So mm-hmm. I don't want these movies to end, but I mean, James Gunn's in charge of DC and Marvel kind of screwed him over for a little bit. So I understand why these have to end. And the good times just can't go on forever, unfortunately. But overall, it is a very satisfying conclusion. I'm happy that James got to finally see his vision all the way through and he pretty much just knocked it out of the park. Um, It's my second favorite Guardians thing. I would put the holiday special and maybe volume one underneath volume three, but it's not even close to my favorite James Gunn movie. Um, I I still think Super Volume 2 and the Suicide Squad are better, but I still loved it. Um, And we'll talk more about it after uh, a a brief word from, I don't know, I I think Howard the Duck's got a promotional thing. We'll go to that ad. Bye. (laughs) I got booze for you. Stop fucking crying, bitch! Where, where, where? I don't want to fucking hear it! And we're back from this, the last ad to another ad. Tanner, you want to take over? Color, movie, canvas, all together, just like the Powerpuff Girls. And you can get one of your... (laughs) And you can get one of your own on moviepalette.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you can get your own of Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, any other MCU movie, or any other movie you damn well would please. Go ahead and go to moviepallet.com, place add one to your cart, but before you place that order, enter the code SQUAD15 to save 15% at checkout. Again, that's code SQUAD15. Now that we got that ad for another ad out of the way, we're going to do some general discussion before moving into trivia, so who wants to start us off? So, Joe, you say how uh, you relate to Star Wars the most. I just want to get it out there. Personally, I relate uh, to Groot the most because like him, uh, nobody understands what I'm saying except my closest (laughs) friends. And um, I just want to say, because clearly I'm in the minority here, this awesome mix is easily my fucking favorite one. One of my favorite moments, uh, beyond the whole No Sleep Till Brooklyn, which I mean, No Sleep Till Brooklyn is fucking awesome no matter when it's used in whatever movie. And also, if I had a nickel for every Chris Pratt movie that came out this year that used No Sleep Until Brooklyn, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Uh-huh. When they used the Space Hog song when they're in the Among Us spacesuits, yes! I fucking loved that. That was like was such a simple moment, but that was like all inspiring jaw dropping shit. Just how beautiful it looked in that. I, I hate to be that guy. I think that was probably the most disappointing use for me probably because I know what the song is about and I think that there could have been a better way to like actually integrate it story wise visually speaking though I will say it is like really cool hearing that song play over that sequence and it's why I really like going into the movie theater when I'm working as like that scene is playing because I just like hearing that fucking song but we're all good with the dog days are over by Florence and the Machine being the last song that song alone even if like the rest of the soundtrack was dog shit the use of florence and the machines the dog days are over now would still make it my favorite then you know fair I, I'd like to talk about the violence in this movie, because oh. right off the bat, when Adam Warlock goes to nowhere and starts just seriously hurting everybody, like he like caves Nebula's head in or something absurd, it was like such a massive departure from every other Marvel film, because usually in Marvel films, like people don't get hurt that bad unless they're like just about to be killed. And watching this happen in like the yeah. first 10 minutes, I was like, oh my God, it's a real movie. Holy fuck, it's a movie for grownups. Ah! 
and then you get faceless guy at the end which um, yeah. I had spoiled for me but I, so I got to like crane over the theater looking around like how are these people reacting to skinless man yeah. <laughs> kind of like what Tanner was talking about earlier the PG-13 rating has been kind of diluted the whole like rating system in general has kind of shifted a lot in the last 15 years or so like the G rating is all but non-existent like you basically only see that in movies for preschoolers or nature documentaries <laughs> basically any kids movies PG yep so like I remember when The Incredibles 2 came out and like there was like damn and crap uh, parents were losing their shit and like it's the same thing happening again here as far as I can tell over the last 15 years or so the G rating has basically become a if the studio asks really nicely we'll get it or if it's in a pre assisting franchise. Like, if the Toy Story movies came yeah. out now, they'd be PG. Yeah, but since sure. the first one was G, 2, 3, and even 4 was still rated G, because there was just a yeah. precedent. But then Lightyear's just like, okay, no, this one's PG. Uh, when Adam Warlock rescued Peter from the vacuum of space, and it turned into a parody of the creation of Adam by Michelangelo... I loved that! God damn it. I actually want to get to the bottom of something, because there's a tweet that's been going around, at least on my phone, where someone said as like, oh, the real villain all along was Infinity War, because some people have the impression that the Russos just killed off Gamora without James Gunn's consent. And uh, there was an interview with comicbook.com where James Gunn said he was originally going to kill Gamora in Volume 2, and what, you know, they sort of, um, I think it was Fag and Esposito walked in, and they're like, this feels wrong, let's kill her later. And the Russos were in contact with him when they killed off Gamora. Uh, I don't know if that's, like, the final word, or if I'm missing something, but that seems to be the story as I pieced it together. That's really interesting. The, the way Marvel typically operates, I'd be very surprised if one director was going to make a major decision about a character that they were essentially borrowing without at least uh, running it by the other director. Which reminds me, can I just say very quickly, it is very funny that Endgame set up the Guardians of the Galaxy to hang out with Thor, and both the Thor director and the Guardians director were both like, I don't want none of that shit. We're not doing that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think it would have made Thor Love and Thunder better if, I don't know, Taika Waititi tried and did something in general, but maybe have the Guardians in it a bit more. If James Gunn was on the set, he might have interrupted some threesomes, and that would have really fucked with Taika's flow. <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell, it seems like Love and Thunder was an excuse for a bunch of famous people to have sex with each other. God. I mean, I get it. I've got to make an embarrassing admission, so feel free to dunk. I forgot about that part in Endgame where, like, past variant Gamora stuck around, so I was, you know, going up to this, and I'm like, I, I hope they explain why Gamora is back, and the move whole movie happens and I'm like, they're just not gonna really explain it? What the f***? The dead speak. <laughs> Today on my phone I looked it up. Yeah, it was a Fortnite event when Gamora came back. Oh no, my god, god damn. I saw, the, I saw that scene from Endgame and I was like, how much drinking did I do? What's wrong with my brain? I do want to say that uh, I love Endgame. It's one of my favorite MCU movies and I don't mind it in the movie itself, but I do remember one of the first things I thought of once I got past the in-game hype was that the Russos handed Gunn a difficult balancing act, to say the least, when it came to Gamora. <laughs> he was given a shitty hand and he still won the poker tournament. I would have said, here, polish this turd, and then he did, but that's just he me because I'm not the biggest fan of Endgame. You know, I watched Peacemaker and I still didn't recognize James Gunn's wife when she showed up. It was only the second time I realized that the, the fucking archive lady that Gamora put a gun to the head with was Ratcatcher 2. Oh yeah, Daniela Melchior. <laughs> oh. 
Because I knew she was in the movie, but I was like, where is she? Because I know that's Borat's daughter playing the dog. <laughs> now that we bring up Cosmo, can we can, can we talk about Cosmo briefly? Bad dog. Fucking love that shit. I love that fucking dog. She's a good dog. Such a good dog. Okay, actually, that reminds me of something. Sorry, guys. Sean Gunn. Uh, I think he's probably given the most to do here out of any of the Guardians movies so far. <laughs> I met him, kind of. I saw him at a Best Buy. No, that wasn't a Best Buy, Rain. That was a taping of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I actually did meet him, but that's besides the point. Um, There was a Twitter poll recently talking about your uh, favorite director's brother, who d the director keeps putting him in movies. The three competitors were uh, Sean Gunn, Ted Raimi, and uh, Clint Howard. And I think with this movie, I think Sean Gunn has definitively put himself first in that ranking, with apologies to MTV Lifetime Achievement winner uh, Clint Howard. He learned to use the kill whistle. There was apparently a moment on set when they were doing mocap for the final dance, and James and Sean were doing mocap for a couple of the characters, like I think lead characters, I can't remember which ones, but they were just dancing together on this giant set, and apparently it was like this huge moment emotionally for James Gunn, because it's like he, he took his brother all the way from this fucked up childhood to this point where they're dancing at the end of this hit trilogy together and it apparently at the moment was glorious. I hope that there's BTS footage of it on the Blu-ray. All right, so now that we've gotten a lot of stuff out of general discussion, we're going to move on to a segment we've not done in a hot minute. Joseph's Trivia Corner. All right, I'm pulling up my phone. I've got all the stuff. Cameo time. Hi, Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, Michael Rosenbaum, Jennifer Holland, Daniela Melchior, Stephen Blackheart, Michaela Hoover, Tara Strong, Molly Quinn and her husband, Judy Greer, Lloyd Kaufman, Seth Green, Greg Henry, and James Gunn. Speaking of one of those cameos that I mentioned, we're going to talk about Tara Strong. Uh, Juliet Starling herself actually is a recast minor role in this. Uh, she plays that floating robot head of the Ravagers mainframe, who was originally played in Volume 2 by Miley Cyrus. What the fuck? Yeah, Miley Cyrus was in Guardians 2 for like one line and she's just like a robot head. Christ. I miss you guys so much! This is the first James Gunn film in a hot minute to have not killed off Michael Rooker. Well, I mean, I mean there's a reason why! <laughs> there's a reason why! You Mainly can't do it again! Mainly because he's a ghost and he's already dead. <laughs> uh, this movie holds the record for the most prosthetics used with... Uh, 525,000. Psych! That's the wrong number! Oh! 22,500, like, prosthetics across over 1,000 actors. Like, there's a lot of prosthetics in this, which, man, fucking prosthetics, you gotta love them. The movie that held this record previously was Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Took us a good couple of decades to beat that record. Cosmo uh, is given a female gender in this, as opposed to the traditional male gender that he's been portrayed as before, as a tribute to Laika, the Russian dog, one of the first animals in space. Karen Gillan scheduled a couples therapy session on the day she was shooting a scene for this movie, consequently appearing in the nebula makeup during couples therapy. And I gotta tell you, it was very weird seeing my wife like that. Oh, wait, no. This movie was released on the sixth anniversary of Volume 2 and a few months before the ninth anniversary of Volume 1. God, these movies have been around for almost a fucking decade. Last bit of trivia, when the uh, written and directed by James Gunn credit comes up at the beginning of the movie, the lights switch out in Quill's bedroom, which is a way of showing James Gunn putting his Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy to bed. 
Oh, All right. Wow. That's a nice little beautiful detail that wraps up my trivia corner. We are going to move on to final thoughts. Mr. Zweebelman, we will start with you. This isn't a finale. This is a face-off. I'd like to take his his face off. Rain, you're next. Final thoughts. Uh, a great closer to a trilogy. Uh, just yet another chapter in a cool director's career. Tanner, final thoughts. The MCU finally said fuck. Yeah, we didn't mention that. Yeah. Get in the fucking car. Press that in. Okay. Now what? Open the fucking door. Tim, final thoughts. If you haven't been watching Marvel movies lately, but you're a big fan of the Guardians movies, uh, this is just a real good way for uh, James Gunn to close the fucking door. All right, my final thoughts. I love this movie. I think that this is probably the best way to close the door for the MCU for me. I'm probably not going to be as invested going down the road for the MCU, but man, oh man, what a fucking way to end it. Go go see it in theaters, please. Give this movie some legs because it's just really fucking good. You got to go see it. It's it, it has great legs already, though. Please make more money. The legs are great. Please, please go support this thing. Uh, you want to know who else we we support and love just like these Guardians of the Galaxy movies? Who? You! The person slash listener who's watching slash listening to these videos. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. If you're here on YouTube, go down to the comment section. Uh, What do you think of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? How would you rank them? What's your favorite awesome mix? Comment below. Let me know. And uh, while you're down there, hit that like button so we know how much you like us. Hit that subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you can get updates on when we upload new videos uh check out our facebook our twitter our twitch Uh, check us out on spotify where you'll have uncensored versions of the podcast there as well as our other podcast platforms while you're checking all that out check out our patreon we've got some rewards tiers coming up so you'll have some really cool stuff if you go and support us there on the patreon also i have two things i'm gonna plug because i'm actually gonna be taking a break for a while from the, the channel first thing uh go check out the finally fucking made and released to the bomb squad youtube channel check out my short film cruise uh it's the greatest troll movie i've ever made then the other thing i'm gonna plug that's out on the festival scene i finally fucking did it i made sheena's secret the movie that was very much inspired by james gunn so if it happens to be playing in your town at a film festival go check it out there give that movie some love and support we worked really hard on it it took us fucking five years to make that thing tune in next week uh when we will be discussing yeah uh, considering the reception we got on the last one we're deciding to do another movie from india the uh 2023 spy thriller pathan it's gonna be fucking radical Oh, man, that sounds really exciting. I'm going to watch that uh, as a fan. I'm really excited to see what you guys have to say about that. But I guess until next time, guys, um, stay safe, stay happy. And as I end all of these James Gunn-related podcast episodes that we do, in these times of hardship, please remember, I love you guys. Bye. We're going to fly away together. Into the forever. I'm gonna need that arm. It's so depressing how Rocket had an obsession with prosthetics because all of his dead animal friends had prosthetics.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a bunch of a-holes. <laughs>